Do you like hot peppers? If you do, you need to know how to grow them right to get the best. And we are talking to the best when it comes to pepper information. It's Dave DeWitt. Dave DeWitt is a food historian and one of the foremost authorities in the world on chili peppers, spices, and spicy foods. He has all sorts of best-selling books on the subject. He's got the Pepper Garden, the Hot Sauce Bible, the Chili Pepper Encyclopedia, the Spicy Food Lovers Bible, the complete chili pepper book, and he even has a habanero cookbook. So we know we're talking to the right guy. Dave DeWitt, it's a pleasure uh, talking with you again. We haven't talked in a while. We should point out it takes a long time to grow a quality chili pepper plant. And as you mentioned, yes, uh, you should be starting seed. I know around here you start seeds around January just to get them up to a size where you could transplant them in April. But uh, as I said, uh, a lot of nurseries still have a pretty good selection of uh, pepper plants. And I'm amazed at the amount of hot pepper plants that are available now. It used to be mostly sweet peppers. And now I think the majority, at least around here, are hot pepper plants. But if people want the best selection of hot pepper plants, they really need to do it from seed, don't they? Because that's where you're going to find the widest variety. Or or order early uh, from chiliplants.com. And they have, they have 500 different varieties of, of chili plants, and they're very dependable and very good. But you have to order a minimum of six, just depending on the size of the plants. Uh, they're a little bit pricey, but they come in very uh, good containers. And uh, But they're probably sold out by now, I would think, because it's so popular. But if you want super hots, uh, the bujolokias and the... Um, scorpions and that sort of thing you're gonna have to grow them from seed or let's talk a little uh, bit about um the hot pepper plants and um taste buds because a lot of people think they like hot peppers but what what i find with a lot of the really hot peppers it's mostly heat and not much flavor whereas some of the more moderately hot pepper plants have excellent taste. Now, I would think over the years, since you're in New Mexico, you've probably been eating chili peppers your entire life. You're probably a bit inured to um, (laughs) heat. But I I would think that you would uh, could rattle off some names of some really tasty hot pepper plants. The habanero would be a good selection because the habanero um, is a hot. it It was the start of the super hots. It used to be called the hottest chili pepper in the world before the super hots from Trinidad were uncovered. And so you can still find them. I mean, if Albertsons here carries them in their produce department, not the bedding plants, but of course the pods. And so, and but they're, you know, they're not as hot as you would imagine, but still 80,000 Scoville heat units is hot. And uh, if that's what they are, uh, they go up to 200,000, but uh, most of them aren't, aren't nearly that hot. You know, it all depends on... Um, you're not going to just pop these in your mouth and chew them up. Uh, so there's going to be some dilution of the heat level as you cook with them. And uh, if you, for example, if you make a, uh, a big bunch of fresh salsa and you put one habanero in there um, and say you have four cups of salsa, that would be about right. Um, and the heat level would be hot, but it wouldn't be killer. And you would still be able to um, you know, uh, have a, a good flavor because habaneros are very fruity and they have a apricot-like flavor. By the way, the taste buds have nothing to do with perception of, of heat. All mammals are born with capsaicin receptors, which are separate from taste buds. Taste buds measure salty, sweet, uh, umami, and uh, 
that sort of thing, but they don't measure the heat. The heat comes from genetics and the capsaicin receptors in our mouth and tongue. And uh, it was thought that the hot peppers came about to prevent mammals from eating the the pods and digesting the seeds. Birds do not digest the seeds. They pass right through the birds. Um, So they're a good, you know, disseminator. And they were the original disseminators before mankind of chili pepper plants when chili pepper plants were wild and undomesticated. And they operate the same way that the taste buds operate in the sense that it's all genetic. There are super tasters and non-tasters with with taste buds. You know, people who have a lot of them um, are super tasters, are overwhelmed by things that are salty and sweet that sort of thing. Um, And the same thing happens with the capsaicin receptors. If you were born with a lot of capsaicin receptors, then um, you're going to be very super sensitive to the heat levels of peppers. Give us some first aid tips for people who accidentally eat a pepper that is a little too hot for them. Uh, I know water is a mistake. (laughs) Right. The capsaicin is not miscible with water, so it doesn't do any good. Um, to try to do water, but dairy products, especially the thicker, heavier, the better. We're talking yogurt. We're talking about ice cream. We're talking about sour cream. Those are very good at cutting the heat because they have a a protein called casein, C-A-S-E-I-N, and that will strip the the molecules, capsaicin molecules, off your mouth and tongue. And so that's the best thing to do. So if if you, you know, if you overdose on super hot peppers and you have too much capsaicin, rinsing your mouth with very thick, and the thicker the better milk, remember 2% milk is 98% water. So keep that in mind when if, you, if you're thinking about using milk, don't use milk. It's useless. Heavy cream would be good, and ice cream as, as I said, yogurt and sour cream are all good for combating the, the very super hot peppers if you get too much. And you hear all kinds of, of things like you drink enough beer, you won't you won't mind how hot it is and stuff like that. But beer in itself is, you know, 90-some percent water. So just keep those things in mind when you're, um, when you're trying to dilute the heat. Now, water and beer and all that kind of stuff will seem like it's working, but the heat returns. In other words, it'll be momentarily the cooling factor will help, but then it'll come back to you. So... I say dairy products are the only answer. People will tell you, oh, put some lemon juice on it or put some salt on it or blah, blah, blah. None of that works. It's all mythology. I like the idea of having a freezer full of ice cream just in case. That's 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 very good. And uh, the sweet seems to help a little bit as well. Let's talk about some basics for growing the best hot chili peppers. Uh, what sort of conditions, what sort of soil, uh, what do they like? to really thrive? The, the, main, the main thing is that they don't like to sit in water. They don't want the, their, their roots, if the roots sit in water, they'll either get a, a fungal disease called Phytophthora or they'll just drown because the roots supply oxygen um, as well as supplying water. And if, if, if the roots are completely submerged, um, they, they won't be able to supply any oxygen to the roots, so the roots will die and the plant will die. And so um, make sure, you, you know, no matter how you do it, if you do it in containers especially, make sure that they're well-drained. And so I always add perlite to, to my garden because perlite, vermiculite absorbs water and keeps things very wet. Perlite does not absorb water. It just loosens the soil so that the water will pour through the soil. 
you have to water a little bit more, and that, of course, will cost you more money. But at least your plants will be healthy. How many hours a day of sun do peppers need? Well, I, they need full sun for the most part. And so we're, we're talking, that, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. Chili ple- peppers are immune to the day-night cycle. So it doesn't matter to them. When it starts getting into the fall, that's when chili peppers are not like that. Um, they will they will keep flowering as long as they don't reach their fruit load. And that's what um, uh, chili plants do. And tomatoes do, too. There's a certain amount of fruit that can be on the plant. And once they the plant can't support any more of the fruits on the plant, then the flowering shuts down. What sort of fertilizer do uh, chili peppers need? Well, I th- I th- what, for vegetative growth, they need... Um, you know, high nitrogen, but you don't want to overdo it. If you if you if you over fertilize with nitrogen, chili peppers, you'll get all foliage and no no pods at all. And that's happened to a lot of gardeners, especially people who use urea. And uh, that's one of the things I wanted to mention. Um, I I screwed up and uh, did not realize that the salts were building up in in my uh, raised beds. Where I was growing my tomatoes and uh, and chili plants, and the first uh, indication I had was when my yield went down from a couple of hundred pounds of of uh, say tomato uh, plant uh, tomatoes um, to uh, just a few a few pounds, and I'm thinking, what the hell? So I had my soil tested. Now I would recommend that everybody have their garden soil tested. If you're growing in pots, it's not too bad because you can, you know, you can switch out the soil every year. But if you have a extensive garden with raised beds, it's hard to switch out your soil every year. And you can rotate, but rotation has nothing to do with salts building up. And what happens is, as you water, if the water has salts in it, it will accumulate the soil. And uh, that happens in the West, especially. I sent my soil off to be tested, and the reason that my yields were going down was because they were the salts of all kinds were building. I'm not, not talking about just table salts. I'm talking about all the combination of salts that there are, and there's dozens and dozens of different salt combinations that can build up in your soil. The only way to get rid of that if you have raised beds is to flood the raised beds um, with just bunches of water, which is going to cost you money. But it's better to flood them, and the, the salts will dissolve and flow out the bottom of the raised beds. And so what I'm doing now every year is at the end of the season, I just flood flood irrigating. Even when the plants are gone, I just keep flooding them. And I sent my soil off this year, and there were no salts um, in my soil. So now my plants are doing great again. So you know, just keep that in mind that salt buildup, it interferes with the, the plants taking in the nutrients for foliage and for fruiting. Be aware of what I say about the salt buildup um, uh, and pay, pay attention to it. Have your soil tested every year. That would be my advice. And the uh, extension services can do that. I used uh, Colorado State University. They, they, were, they have a really good testing lab. It's not very expensive. And they give you a complete report that looks like a scientific paper almost telling you exactly what your garden need and they'll give you advice and i thought i knew a lot about gardening but i didn't i wasn't i wasn't paying close enough attention to my soil and so that was the big lesson i learned you know you can get the best varieties you can buy the the best bedding plants and all that kind of stuff it doesn't matter it's all 
useless if your soil is building up salts. Two of the uh, things you mentioned about a successful pepper plant to keep it at moderate nitrogen levels and watch out for salt buildup. That's a good argument for using organic fertilizers because organic fertilizers are very low in salts and they generally have uh, a nitrogen content of less than 10%, but they also have the uh, phosphorus and the potassium that the plant would need for fruiting. I agree with what you're saying. Talk a little bit about uh, something that you touched on, and it makes sense for people who want to uh, have a long-lasting hot pepper plant. You mentioned growing peppers in containers, and you mentioned the fact that in tropical areas, they they become trees, uh, they live through the winter. This is a good idea if people want to keep that hot pepper plant going, is grow it in a container and then move it to a warm spot if they live in a cold winter area, and then bring it back out again come spring. Yes, you can do that, and uh, most people say, well, there's not enough light. Well, you're not going to get fruits all year long. I have a greenhouse, so and I have tropical plants um, like hibiscus and so forth that I put on my patio during the summer, bring them in, um, and they all have to be pruned back, and, and chili plants are no exception to that. But, you know, if you, if you take a chili plant that's in a container, and put it outside during the summer and bring it back um, inside during the winter. It doesn't have to have all that much light. Put it in a su- southern exposed window and so forth like that. All you're trying to do is keep the plant alive. You're not trying to grow fruits because that'll come in the summer. Now, I'm sure there's some exceptions to the rule if, if you know people have a really good greenhouse operation. The difference between summer light intensity and winter light intensity is incredible. You, you hardly even notice it before a plant. I'm telling you that it's just a complete difference. The the way the sun is in the sky, you don't get the full intensity of, of the light like you do in the summertime. So, With the hot pepper plants that you've grown that you've overwintered, on in year number two, do you get hot peppers quicker? Uh, no. As a matter of fact, your yield would be less usually. Mm. Um, there's a certain, uh, even though these plants are perennials, They've been bred for so long to be annuals that the problem is uh, vigor and a lack of vigor uh, as the plant gets older. It seems like the larger the pod, the less vigor the plants have. The smaller potted plants, like if you're growing pecans or um, chiltepines or something like that, they seem to have more vigor as they as they grow older. But uh, the larger potted plants don't, like the New Mexico uh, chilies and so forth like that, lose vigor a lot. Okay, that's a a good tip that uh, if you want to overwinter your uh, chili pepper plants, the smaller potted versions have a better chance for success in year two than uh, the larger potted varieties. Exactly. We've been talking with Dave DeWitt, author of several great pepper books like The Pepper Garden, The Hot Sauce Bible, The Chili Pepper Encyclopedia, The Spicy Food Lover's Bible, The Complete Chili Pepper Book, and a lot more. Check it out at his website, DaveDeWitt.com. Dave, thanks for a few minutes of your time today. Okay, Frank, good talking to you, as usual.